friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, a future that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Friday. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I'm doing great. Although I'm shaking my head a little bit at the title of this program, not because of uh, the content, but uh, because of the word uh, crayfish in Louisiana, Phil, where these, these animals are a big part of our lives, right? It's yes. crawfish with a W, not crayfish. But anyway, Well, let me I, tell you, where, Stephen, where I grew up in western Kentucky, they're crawdads. Okay, so. <laughs> mud, and, and sometimes they're mud bugs. Around, but, uh, <laughs> you just you, you have to you have to learn you have to what's the word I'm looking for you have to be patient with those who aren't as culturally enriched as we are I think that's the, <laughs> perhaps so uh, well you know uh, when in Rome right uh, that's just, uh, right say, say it however uh, the locals are saying it I guess. Uh, although I, I think if I was going to write a novel about this they would definitely be referred to as killer crawdads right not that they've killed anyone yet but uh, that's just <laughs> Sounds a little more more improved. Although mutant crayfish does have a kind of a, I don't know, fictiony ring to it as well. So what are we talking sure. about here? Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some cool stuff that's happening with biotechnology and also just with biology generally. Okay, so we got that. That's kind of our very loose theme here for tonight's show. And I think that's just about the only thing that ties them together. I, I could have made the case that these all have to do with genetics. I'm not sure that they all 100% do, but they all have to do with either biotech or in the case of the mutant, mutant crayfish, just plain biology doing its, doing its thing. So let's, let's get into this. Great news here in the middle of what's being described as one of the worst flu seasons in decades. New pill kills the flu virus in 24 hours. I read this. Man, and I love said, this. I love this. Well, this needs to be very widely available, right? Now we've right. we've had Tamiflu around for years, and that is made by the same pharmaceutical company. And we've heard of that. And supposedly, if you get the flu, you take Tamiflu, it reduces the symptoms, and the flu goes away sooner. But that's like a you take them twice a day for five days, and usually I'm done with the flu in five days anyhow, right? So well, and there's also a window to this. If you if if you get to it too late, the Tamiflu doesn't do any good at all. Right. Uh, during flu season, you kind of have to be monitoring yourself very closely. At the first sign of uh, of flu symptoms, you need to you need to start taking it immediately, because if you wait too long, you've missed the window. It doesn't do you any good. So, anyway, that that is uh, that is my uh, public service announcement uh, for this show. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> now, now the new pill, the new pill, yeah. you take it, and the flu's gone in 24 hours. And I don't know that I read in here that there's a window. Hopefully, this works such that if you got full bore flu going, right? Yeah, you you're, can take you're this laid pill. up in bed, uh, just feeling awful. You take this, and uh, you're you're ready to rock and roll the following day. That's pretty great. Yeah, that's how it. I'm reading this. And so we're doing all kinds of, we're providing all kinds of public service, or excuse me, public relations help to this 
pharmaceutical company by reading it that way because that's what I, the way I want it to work. Now, maybe it won't be quite that good, but that's the pill we need, okay, for the flu. Actually, right. what you need is two hours later and the flu is gone. So we'll, <laughs> exactly. you know, keep, keep the research going, folks. But uh, that, that, would be, that would be such a game changer if it, did, if it did work that way. We had a situation, you know, my kids go to a school, it's not even, not even 600 kids, and there were like 50 people out the other day. The principal was out, right? I right. mean, everybody's sick. And people are, they're sick, and they're sick for long periods of time, and it seems like it comes back. This is a very destructive thing. And, of course, the flu has been even far more destructive than that in decades past. So it's, the, the flu is never well, any and, laughing and matter. Not, not at all. Flu kills people every year. This, this particular flu this year, has, it kill, it's killing a lot. Uh, some people that are outside of the normal risk groups. Right, you know, people in their people in their prime are sometimes uh, falling to this uh, particular flu this year. So it's it's scary, serious stuff. It's not just the sniffles that that lays you up. It's uh, th- this is potentially very dangerous. So, yeah, this is fantastic news if they have what they say they have here. If so, they, if they have what they say they have, because what do we have now for the flu? I mean, we have things. We've got the flu shot, which they say is thirty percent effective or less. So right. I got mine, and I haven't gotten the flu so far, so hopefully I'm in the 30% or whatever. Watching but, a TED Talk, by the way, I, uh, for those anti-vacciner people, I want to throw this out. One of the uh, principal uh, predictors of longevity is whether or not you get the flu shot. Mm. It's in this day and age right now. You know, even with only 30% effectiveness of, of, with the flu shot, if you're getting the flu shot, it is one of the biggest predictors for whether or not you make it to uh, your golden years. So consider that, even with uh, even as bad as it is, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's better than not taking. It's it. better than not having it. Yeah. So, uh, by well, the way, if you are an anti-vaxer listening, just keep listening to the show. We're we're glad yeah. to have you. We uh, we just yeah. We're not, listen we're, to everything we're, we're, we have to we, say. We're we're not. Uh, we're, we're, we're gentle about uh, uh, about our message. On <laughs> I was going to say, if you're an anti-vaxxer, you're probably not going to like the rest of what we have to say about it, just about any subject. But I, I, I retract that before saying it, okay? I, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Please listen to the things we have to say. We're, we're, glad, to, we're glad you found us. Now, here's uh, another story that is a little bit closer to the kinds of things we typically talk about. Find drugs that delay many diseases of old age. Guess how these would probably be delivered, Stephen? By a vaccine. Okay, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll <laughs> Probably. Um, <laughs> start, start down that road. We'll never. We'll, we'll never get off it here. This is a. This is a nice just kind of call to action. Okay, and the the point here is that we can't just make lifespan longer. We need to. Although that's the problem we're ultimately trying to solve. To get there, we've got a much more complex problem to solve, which is boosting resilience, and in making people stronger against these age-related diseases, okay? So there are drugs that exist. They're called the geroprotectors that can make people more resistant to these concurrent diseases that show up as you get older. I mean, that's the, that's the problem with getting older is you don't just get one thing, right? The system starts breaking down in two or three ways at the same time. Someone with with heart trouble and cancer, someone with diabetes and heart trouble, someone right. with arthritis and early onset Parkinson's, right? The, the, that it seems to be there's this whole host of things that occur. And it's it's like do, a cascading problem, too. I mean, uh, yeah. you might be able to treat one or two of these conditions, but uh, 
ultimately it leads to a domino effect with various additional problems joining, right? And until you can't keep up and death results, which is, I mean, real downer idea, but that's really what we see in people that in their last in their last year or so, right? It's just uh, an inability to deal with all of the problems that happen at once. So Exactly. And, and one of the things that this story talks about, there's a great graphic here with the title, More Years of What? And it says, in Europe, men and women are living longer. They're also spending more years with chronic conditions such as diabetes, cancer, and Alzheimer's disease. And it shows this, this life expectancy chart, which is very encouraging, you know, showing that men are living longer, women living longer. Women already live longer, and they're living even longer. And, and men and women are on this very similar curve over the years 2007 to 2013. But what's the point, right? What's the point of giving me four more years if those four years are spent fighting heart disease, fighting cancer, in pain. It's the life in the years versus the years in the life discussion that we right. talk about all the time. Aubrey de Grey has said on, on many occasions that when people ask him that or basically intimate that that's what he's going to give us, he said, mm-hmm. his, his answer is absolutely not. Living a frail life is a dangerous proposition. It, one little thing can kill you, right? And so that's not what he's after at all. He's he wants to extend the health span. That's what right. he's often put that way. I'm extending the health, the health span that, you, that you're feeling good and able to do things and then you're enjoying life. We want to extend that before the final decline. So that's, that's really what we're going for with, uh, with treatments like this. Does this particular treatment, is that what they're going for here, Phil? That's the idea. That's, that's what this geroprotector is all about. It, gener- it makes you generally more resistant across the board. So yeah. w- one of the interesting notes here, this particular treatment they're talking about, this RAD001, boosted immune responses to an influenza vaccine. So in other words, uh, we were just talking about how if you have the flu shot, you're more likely to live longer. This makes the flu shot more effective, among other things. So you kind of get, right. get, get your... Get your thinking around that. It's like this is what the vitamins they always say are going to do for you. Generally make you more resilient and able to ward these things off. Because there's definitely a cascading spiral of damage that occurs. If you wear your body out with chemotherapy and your heart was not great to begin with, your heart's going to end up in a really bad position, right? But if you don't get the cancer and you don't have the chemotherapy, then your heart's going to stay a lot stronger. I mean, it's just it's yeah. very simple sets of relationships like those. The healthier you are, the healthier you're going to be. It it only makes sense. And if you're generally resisting all of these things at the same time, and if they show up, they show up in a less severe form, then the damage from each of the related conditions is going to be less severe too. So if you look at a picture like the one shown, if you follow the link here, people's lives are going to go longer but the healthy years, there's two colors in the picture here. There's the dark purple, which is the years spent with chronic disease, and then the blue, which is the healthy years. That's going to be, that's going to be the part that starts to grow. We really need to have the healthy years grow relative to the years spent with chronic disease. Have that become just a little blip right at the very end, right? And, right. and, ha- and have and, the chart And, and be... to push it off indefinitely is the ultimate goal. But, uh, Absolutely, but, yeah. 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 So good, a good step in that direction, those who worry that we're only making people live longer, I think need to take a close look at, at this article and see that, that these things are happening now, that there really is a lot of work being done around increasing health span too. And speaking as a guy in his mid-50s, 
they can't get this going fast enough. Okay. <laughs> As Glenn Reynolds would say, faster, please. Faster, right? please. And here's one method that might make this possible. In the future, we won't edit genomes. We'll just print out new ones. <laughs> this is really quite, <laughs> quite impressive. You, you read that headline and you think, okay, well, they're just, they're just yanking you. This is an MIT Technology Review, and this is not hype at all. They're talking about using how they use yeast here in various kinds of research. And basically, it's gotten easier now rather than going in and making little tweaks to the genomes that they're, that they're working on. It's like we're just going to go back and rewrite the source code, basically. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to start from scratch. And this is where CRISPR... No, it, uh, isn't this what CRISPR does? basically the word processor for genomes and it do, and and they discovered crispr is actually a discovery of a, uh, from a microorganism right and, that's right uh, that's exactly right and so, so is, this, yeah, well, is this crispr or is this something different is uh, what they're describing here is something different but the implications for what can be done with crispr are endless okay so right. they're talking about doing it here in these yeast applications basically just rewriting the whole the whole genome so in other words you replace every letter in that sequence and now you've printed out this whole new kind of yeast that solves this exact problem that you were looking to solve right now it's a very expensive set of things they have to do to make that happen but if you take a technology like crispr and apply it to this problem what was it they say a human genome can now be sequenced for a thousand dollars but to replace yes. every DNA letter in yeast, you have to buy $1.25 million okay, worth of it. So, so that's kind of the cost differential. Reading DNA, not too expensive. Writing DNA, still very expensive, right? In terms of the genomes of various microorganisms that are used for these kinds of treatments, the, the ability to kind of synthesize them and produce them is going to allow for all kinds of major, major breakthroughs in the years to come. And, we, and we've, we've talked generally about CRISPR anyhow, and this, this just speaks to why it's so important. It's very, it's very expensive to write DNA. CRISPR fixes that, right? It, it, it's, right. it's the information technology approach to dealing this with is, This our, is the our sexy and your uh, sexy immortal billionaire with superpowers uh, um, <laughs> uh, view of the future, right, Phil? This is the sexy part, and uh, you know, and and the, and the immortal part, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> it, it's, it, I think it, I think it's touching on both of those. And superpowers too. Absolutely. Come to think of it, actually, is you know, we'll just yeah. write those right into the right into the gene code when we need to. So <laughs> the the hair, the bod, when you're talking to a <laughs> that's right. You're welcome, basically. You're so, welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's I think that's where we are with this. Anyway, this is this is great yeah. stuff. It's very encouraging speaking to the kinds of things we will be doing in the near future. And it's very interesting that this is that this is taking place. This is the kind of article you read this and you get just a little hint for how different medicine is going to be five, ten years down the road because of the of the capabilities that, yeah. that the, we're developing. We, right we are now. in the dark ages by comparison to what we are th we were talking about here. This is something completely different. And we are taking the bulls by the horns with with that sort of technology for sure. Exactly. So. And now we're going to shift gears in entirely, okay? As they say on Monty Python, now for something completely different. <laughs> but not just not not entirely different. That's the that's the interesting thing about this. The this mutant crayfish clones itself and it's taking over Europe. Okay, here is 
biology in action, right? Here's evolution in action. This is a fascinating story, okay? So somewhere in the mid-90s, a crayfish mutated, and it started laying eggs without needing to uh, mate, and the, legs, the eggs it lays are all clones of itself, and there's millions of them now. Um, this, is, this, is, this is a change that has occurred within this species, or excuse me, this is the emergence of a new species which has occurred within the last couple of decades. And we can pinpoint, we, we know roughly when it happened, not sure where it happened, might have happened in the U.S., might have happened in a lab in Germany someplace, but no one was trying to do it, right? So this is not research that has paid off. No one said, hey, if only we could make a crawfish that's born pregnant, right? Like the tribbles in the original Star Trek. You know? <laughs> it's funny uh, that you went there because my brain went right to the tribbles, right? It's, uh, exactly. It's, it's, like the, it's like the tribbles. That's Dr. McCoy explaining the tribbles. Well, it seems they're born pregnant, which saves a lot of time, right? Basically, <laughs> these little critters are like tribbles in that if you feed them, they produce more of themselves. And they're, they look a little bit different. Um, they can mate with the closely related species they came from, but it does the males no good whatsoever to mate with them because they're just going to keep producing clones. So apparently there are several species of different various things on the planet that are this, that are just basically clones, that all they do is produce clones of themselves. And so genetically you see the same organism repeated over and over again. There was there, a story that we did, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, Phil, involving a species of frog, I think, that does this. Right. That, and, and it can even change sex. It could, um, a male, under the right circumstance, this, a male frog can become female and lay eggs, and, and they're clones of, uh, of him or of herself oh, wow. of, of that of that uh, particular frog uh, under the right circumstances so nature finds a way to uh, quote jurassic park right it's uh it's weird it, it's weird stuff but that's it's kind of funny it's interesting that this change has happened with a species within a time frame that we can pinpoint right can right. you think of anytime you look at any evolutionary chain of events you go to the museum or whatever, and they say, well, and at one point this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But it's all way back there in the archaeological, paleontological record someplace. It's, it's not something that we see as a living process. And here it is actually happening. You know, this, when you were born, Stephen, this species didn't exist, right? And now yeah. there's millions of them. When I was born, when, when my, you know, my kids have been born into a world where they lived, but I wasn't. So, I mean, that's, that is a kind of a fast forward for evolution. I think this is the first example of this that I can ever recall seeing. Here's <laughs> of course, the, uh, the concern I have, uh, being from Louisiana, is do they taste good, right? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> See, now this is another Kentucky difference is we don't eat them there. We use them for bait to catch the catfish, which do taste good, right? So, <laughs> right. so, so my question would be, uh, is, they, can yeah, you catch a catfish? Taste good to the catfish, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah important, important questions. They're pretty. They look nice. So, you know, they'll, they'll look good on a plate or on a hook. Don't know. Let the research continue, I guess, is the... Uh, <laughs> if, I can get, if I can get a few of these, I'll put them in a pot and I'll let you know. Yeah, well, I'm, for people who are ethically opposed to that sort of thing, sorry if that offends your sensibilities for us to talk about killing and eating these creatures. On the other hand, don't worry. There's plenty more, right? They're going <laughs> to... Yeah, they, again, they're born pregnant. They, uh, <laughs> Apparently they're more, good at... There's more where they're, the first pot came from. 
They're good at making themselves. Although, although the possibility that they may replace existing species and existing populations, that's a real one. And so it could yeah. be that a century from now, in some places where there have been multiple species of crayfish, there will only be this one. And yeah. that's interesting because it'll just be not, not only just this one species, but just this one genotype, right? Just this, this one organism. Yeah repeated which is not necessarily a good thing is it i mean you you won't you won't in the case of disease it's it's helpful to have variation of the of a, a particular genome and if if every individual has the exact same genome that might not be a good thing you could end up losing all crawfish crazy well the thing is being born pregnant is definitely an advantage but it's not the only advantage so right. there 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 are definitely genetic advantages to variation and that's why most species reproduce that way, right, by creating variations as they go. Mutation is the thing that, that drives evolution anyhow. And Basically, and, asexual reproduction is great in the short term. <laughs> but in the yeah. long term, it may you, not you, be the you, get the, you get the big numbers. But in the long term, it doesn't seem to be what's favored generally. Right. So um, hopefully this won't go in anywhere and completely eliminate a, a species and then go extinct itself. That would be the big... That, that would be the big fear, and that's the thing they're going to have to keep an eye on. But it just goes to show you how powerful biology is and how big of changes can occur even without us trying to do anything, right? Here's one you can point at, and maybe it's just human arrogance that even makes me say this, but hey, here's a big thing, and we didn't even do it, right? You know, it turns out most all the big things that have happened with biology so far in the history of this planet, we didn't have anything to do with, right? So, <laughs> exactly. Um, not, that, not that big of a surprise, but just a reminder that we're playing with some very potent stuff here. And when you talk about printing out whole new genomes, uh, and we talk about you know, trying to address chronic ongoing conditions that humanity has faced, a little humility is probably not a bad idea. We've got to be very careful here. Um, right. on, its, on its own, these biological processes can take off fast, and they can go in really unexpected kinds of directions. So we want to we watch for the directions that we're going to be taken. And with that public service announcement, I'm happy to announce that we've reached the geek out portion of our week. Stephen, what do you got for us? <laughs> not a whole lot. I um, am listening again. This is the second time to the, the book Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future. Uh, I listened to it, I guess it's probably about a couple of years ago when I, when I first uh, uh, purchased this and listened to it on Audible. After the launch of the Falcon Heavy, I, I uh, wanted to revisit this book. It bears revisiting. I would say that if you haven't listened to it, Phil, if you haven't had a chance to get to this one, Put it in your queue. It is a great book and uh, about a very interesting guy. I would uh, highly recommend that book, uh, particularly if you, if you do the audible thing. The narrator is awesome. It's great. If you're giving it a second round, I've definitely got to download this one, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a listen. Sounds like a, sounds like a fun read. And I see that as of this recording, you have not yet seen Black Panther. I'm very disappointed, Stephen. Very disappointed well, that my Marvel I'm Cinematic tell you, Universe guy. Every single guy. seat in the, the local theaters has was pre-sold, mm-hmm. and uh, so, uh, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to wait for things to calm down a little bit. It, this thing is a real event movie, a real event movie. It's one that the black community has really embraced. This this is a moment for for them. You know, right? And I, I uh, to some extent, I said, don't forget Blade. Blade was a. I have been saying that too. It's like, okay, this is yeah. not the first black superhero 
movie. <laughs> it's yeah. not the first movie with an all-black cast. It's an important movie, but people are saying things about it that just aren't true and that d- do a right. disservice it, to it, things that have come before. It's, and, it's a, and it's a black director. I, I, don't, I don't think that uh, Blade had a black director. Right, but, right. Uh, so, I mean, this is... Uh, the commu- you know, black communities really embraced this. Uh, it's an it's a, uh, important cultural moment for them, and uh, that's great. I'm just looking forward to getting to see it. So far, I've, I mean, literally, there hadn't been a seat to to sit in to watch this thing available to to our family just yet. Give it a week or so; it'll calm down. I will get in there and see it. I'm I'm lo- very much looking forward to it. Love the introduction of the character in uh, Marvel Civil War. Uh, you know, very fascinating. Looking forward to seeing it, and uh, I will report back at that time. I don't guess you've seen it, have you? Have not yet seen it. Looking, uh, also right. looking forward to seeing it. So hopefully, by the time we return to this topic, we'll have both seen the movie and we can we can compare notes. And you'll be wildly enthusiastic, and I'll be like, ah, it was okay. I don't know. <laughs> the past is prologue. You're exactly right. Uh, or or we'll surprise ourselves, right? I'll just be going on and on, and you'll be like, well, I liked it, but you know. So <laughs> yeah, you know, there, sometimes sometimes the hype of of a movie that. Uh, Anything can be, no matter how good it is, if it doesn't heal the planet and save your marriage, it's, it doesn't quite live up to the hype. Right? Well, to me, so, that's the know, whole problem. Is, keep in mind is, as soon as you give something movement. 99% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. I'm, I react yeah. badly to that. I'm like, well, oh, it can't be that good, yeah. right? You, you, want to be the, you want to be the one guy that finds the problem. I don't want to be. That's just who I am. Okay, that's the, you know that's that's, that's the problem. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be that. I, I suspect I'll fall ninety nine percent and will love it. We will uh, we'll definitely get back to it uh, and let you know. We will we will pick it up. I, I guess we shouldn't spend too much time talking about a movie we haven't seen and don't know anything about. So, <laughs> exactly. although hey, it's our show, we can do what we want, and we will once again next week when we come back and do three more brand new shows. It's been great having you all with us this week. Look forward to being with you again. And until next time, live to see it. 